Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. We're going to read from Isaiah 43, 16 to 21. If you've got your Bibles with you, open up to it turn on to it. We're going to be resting on this one passage of Scripture today. So keep it open and you can uh, look at it while we're uh, looking at this together during the preaching. But it's Isaiah 43, 16 to 21. We're going to read this right now. It says, Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horses, army and warrior. They lie down. They cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. They will, the wild beasts will honour me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I will give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Uh, to give you context with what we just read in this grouping of Scripture, uh, it sits within a chapter uh, which is really looking at and declaring uh, the Lord as the only Saviour for Israel. And it's declaring uh, Israel's only Saviour, the Lord. But it's also uh, using some imagery here that really is a bit of an axiom for these people. They would have known what was going on, right? They would have known that as he's talking about these different things, they're thinking back of when they've been delivered from their oppressors, the Egyptians. And they're led out of Egypt into the wilderness. And it says here, look at this, it says that he would make away in the wilderness, right? They're thinking about that time when they'd been uh, led out of Egypt and rivers in the desert. And they're reading this and I feel like the prophet, as he'd be saying it, people would be hearing it and going, man, he's talking about us being set free from the Babylonians, right? And in a way, yes, but there's, there's a shadow of something even greater here that he's saying, which is the redemption of all mankind. He's saying you could look at it on this level, but I'm talking about something on this level. Who knows that we need a Redeemer? Who knows that we need a Saviour? He's talking about the restoration and redemption of man through a Father sending His Son, Jesus, who lives a sinless life, dies on a cross, rises again three days later, victorious over death, sin and shame so that we could have life and life to the full. It says, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? This is the new thing that He's talking about, the Saviour of the world. Of the world, and he's foretelling of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that will come rivers in the desert. Who knows we need a new thing, amen? Who knows that as individuals and as a church, we need God to do a new thing in us, through us, on us, around us. We need the Holy Spirit to do a new thing. We've seen good things in the past, but God has more for us. We could be grateful for the things God has done in our families over the last 10, 20 years. We could be grateful for the things that God has done through our church over the last 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. But God wants to do a new thing. You see, we can't just stay in the past. We need to set our eyes on the new thing that the Holy Spirit wants to do for us. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Church, we're at the precipice of breakthrough in our church and in our nation. We're at the precipice of God outpouring His Holy Spirit in a way we haven't seen before. You think about it. We have a Pentecostal Christian Prime Minister in our nation. Now, whether you agree with all of his policies, I think God would be happy that there is a man of God leading our nation, right? Amen. When I look around the things that God has been doing, 
I begin to, to see that our nation is postured for an outpouring that we've never seen before. When I look at the things that God has been doing in our church, I look at it and I go, we are right on the edge of God doing something we haven't seen before. And I begin to get excited. I, I begin to feel hopeful about what God might do. And this is what I wanna talk to you about today. If you're taking notes, pull out your phone, write down the title of this message. Write this down. New ways for new days. New ways for new days. You see, God has prepared a new day to come. And as this, uh, this prophetic word was released, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. He's speaking of a new way. You see, the people in this, in this uh, Bible that we read, the Old Testament people, man, they had to engage in God in an Old Testament way. Uh, sacrifices, ceremonial, cleanness. But then God is saying, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? It's gonna spring forth. I'm gonna make a way where there is no way. I'm gonna bring rivers in the desert. There's a new way that we can engage with Christ. And I'm so grateful that as Christians in today's society, we can engage with Christ in the new way that He has given us. Someone say amen in this place. New ways for new days. So what I wanna speak to you about today. Why don't you bow your heads? Let's pray that God would speak to us. Father God, Lord, we thank You that Your presence is here right now. We thank You that You wanna speak to us. And God, as we look at Your Word, Father, would it just really speak into each one of our circumstances, good, bad, wherever it is, God, that You've got a Word for us today. So give us ears to hear what You're saying. Give us eyes to see what You're doing. We're ready to receive. Everyone who agrees with that said, Amen, Amen. Amen. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. First thought today, I want to share three thoughts around this verse, verse 19. Take your notes, write down this first point. Simply this, He makes a way where there is no way. He makes a way where there is no way. It says, I will make a way in the wilderness. It's talking about salvation. It's talking about the redemption of the world, the forgiveness of sin. Who knows our world needs saving? Our nation needs saving. We need saving. I look around the world and you see the despair. I look around the world and what's going on with COVID. We need a vaccine, but more than that, we need a saviour. I look around the world at the different social issues that are getting pushed through the media and we need a saviour. Our world is morally bankrupt without Christ. It's not gonna do well. We need a saviour. Is there anyone that agrees with me on that this morning? And... You know, one of the things that I've noticed about the well is as it's, I guess, digressed further into this, this moral bankrupt state that it's in, these things are starting to rear its head where society likes to group people into different categories. Have you guys noticed that? Likes to group people into the category of their financial status, the wealthy, the middle class, the rich. Society likes to group people into their levels of education, the smart, the uneducated. Society likes to group people into their, their genders. It likes to group people into their races. It likes to group people into their political leanings, left or right. But society likes to group people in these different categories. And as I watch that, I get worried that as the church, Big C, we can find ourselves in danger of grouping people in categories as well when it comes to issues of sin. We go, oh, this person, they're a bit unkind or 
they're a bit of a glutton. And we begin to establish levels of sin and we define, oh, this is a, a sin, but it's not so bad. So we go, oh, they're unkind or they're a glutton. You know, it's, it's, we know it's a sin, but it's not that bad of a sin. So we're going to go and put people that would engage in this stuff over in a box here. And we begin to categorise small sins. Oh, they just told a white lie. Or, or, or they just got a, a little bit angry, small sin. And then we, we look at other people and we might say it's like a medium level sin. You know, maybe they're a little bit wild in their younger years, fast and loose. Maybe drank a little bit too much, a little bit promiscuous. And we go, oh, you know, it's, it's a step up from, from gluttony or it's a step up from being unkind. We're going to put them in this, this middle box. It's the sin bin, you know. Uh, we're going to put them here. And we, we categorise and we filter out how we define levels of sin. And then we look at that they're really bad levels of sin. You guys know what I'm talking about? I want you to think about what you would think is a really bad level of sin. It, it might be that the murderer the adulterers, the, the junkies, the, the addicts, whatever it is. But we, we go, these are the really bad ones. And we, we, we filter in these categories of levels of sin. And when I read this Scripture, it says that I will make a way in the wilderness. And it's like we as believers can almost filter these levels of sin into these different categories. And we look at these three categories and, and we say, oh, that one, they're, just ha- they're not all right there. It's not all together, but... It's not a wilderness. So that one, they're struggling a bit, but it's not a wilderness. But that one over there, man, those really bad sins, those people, they're in a, a spiritual wilderness. They're, they're morally bankrupt. They're struggling. And we begin to filter this down. Now, we'd never say it out loud, but I'm sure we've all thought it before. Am I right? And I look at this, this thought and I feel like we can fall into the trap of defining people by their sins. But that's not how Christ sees sin. He doesn't define it into different categories of severity or heinousness. It simply says He'll make a way in the wilderness. Notice that He doesn't define what a wilderness is. Notice how He just says, I'll make a way in the wilderness. Maybe your wilderness is this. He'll make a way in the wilderness. Maybe your wilderness is this. He'll make a way in the, uh, in the wilderness. Maybe it's this over here. It's really bad. Friend, I want to tell you, this Scripture does not define the level of wilderness. It simply says, He will make a way in the wilderness. The reason I say this is because it's our mandate as believers to share the gospel, to to go out and tell people about Christ, see people saved. But if we categorise levels of sin, we are at risk of only seeing the worst people saved. Because what happens to that person, that, that business person who's killing it? They're doing great financially. They've, they've got a, a, a spouse that loves them. Their kids are for them. They've got beautiful kids, but they don't have Christ. And they would go, I'm a good person. I've got it all together. And they wouldn't say that they're morally bankrupt. What about that person? How does that person come to know Christ if we categorise sin in different levels of severity? So as I think about that, I go, I want to reach those people. I don't want to just reach the destitute. I want to reach everyone for Christ. We need to reach all types of people. I want to reach the destitute, don't get me wrong, but I want to reach all people with the message of Christ. So I think about that and I go, well, then how does Christ see sin? How does Christ see it if it's not categorised, it's just sin? And I begin to think about the fact that He doesn't define what a wilderness is. You know, in 2001, I was living in Shepparton and we were in a humble rented property uh, in a rough area of already a rough town. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with Shepparton, uh, just imagine there's a hole. In that hole, there's a rock. Under that rock, there's Shepparton. 
Uh, and if you're watching online from Shepparton right now, I love Shepparton. <laughs> and we're living in this humble rented property. It's actually on a street called Anzac Street, right? And we went out one day. We'd all left the house and someone decided that they were going to help themselves to our belongings. They went down our driveway into our backyard. They punched through the window, opened the door. They stole jewellery. They stole all of our electronics. At the time, the most expensive console you could buy, the PlayStation 1, right? Still with the wire coming out of the console. They stole anything of value in our house and they legged it and they got away with it. And, you know, it was frustrating. We felt violated. We felt robbed. We, we were annoyed, right? But we had insurance. It was all good. A few weeks later, the insurance company paid out the cash. We went and bought some new products, a new PlayStation. I think it was right as things were changing over. I'd upgraded from a PlayStation 1 to a PlayStation 2. Thank you, God. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He takes the, the bad things and he turns them into good. Amen. And we were... We were, we were all good, we'd moved on. But about a month later, this person thought, you know what, I'm going to double dip. I'm going to come back, get some more. We'd replaced all the things they'd stolen. They hit us again a second time around and they took everything that we had just had replaced. I mean, you know, PlayStation 3 hadn't come out yet, so I couldn't upgrade again. This time, it was just frustrating. We were annoyed. But the thing is, we moved on pretty quickly because we didn't know the person and we figured there's a slim chance that they're going to come back a third time. And if you've ever been robbed, you know the frustration of it. You know, just to digress for a second, in COVID, someone broke into my car, had all my tools in the boot. They didn't take my tools. The only thing they took was my discount Bunnings card. <laughs> How good is that? 5% off, right? Anyway, I wasn't frustrated that this person had hit us two times that much. We moved on pretty quickly. But if you've ever been robbed by someone you know, it's a different story, isn't it? If someone close to you violates relationship, they break trust it's harder to move on. It's not because of the items that were stolen. The items don't really matter. I mean, you know, Brother James, if you came to me and you said, I'm in need, I really need that PlayStation, would you give it to me? I would consider giving it to you. And my wife would be like, yes, please take it. <laughs> but if you broke into my house and you stole that thing, I would feel violated because you've broken our trust because of the violation of relationship. And this is a good picture of what sin is like. You see, there's a Hebrew word for this called pesha. You're taking notes, write this down. You see, it speaks to the betrayal of a relationship. Pesha describes how God sees sin. It's the wilderness in our lives. Pesha explained, if a thief breaks into your house and steals something, it's called robbery. But if your neighbour or your friend breaks in and steals something, it's called Pesha because of the betrayal of relationship. Pesha is one person violating relationship with another. A spiritual wilderness is caused by our transgressions. Not one isolated sin, but the fact that we are born into it. The fact that we are born sinners because of our Pesha. Mankind violated relationship with Christ. And because of that sin, our Pesha separates us from God. And that's why I say this because I don't want us just to look at different people and go, sinner, sinner, sinner. Oh, no, they've got it all together. They're a good person. No. If you're a human and you haven't said yes to Christ, you're separated from Him. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why when we look at Paul, 
in the New Testament, we see in his writings this shift in the way that he defines himself. He defines himself as an apostle. He defines himself as a servant. Then he defines himself as the chief of all sinners. It's like the more mature he became in his faith, the greater revelation he had that he was a sinner who needed a saviour. Let's never get stuck in that rut where we've been in church for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and we think we've got it all together and we don't need a saviour. No. If you're a human, you need a Saviour. And I'm so glad that God has saved me. God has set me free. God has forgiven me. And when I stuff up, when I sin, I can come to Him, repent, ask for forgiveness, and He forgives me. Is there anybody grateful for that in their own lives? Say Amen. And so for the business person who's killing it, who's got life together, they'd say they're a good person. It's not about that one thing that they've done. It's about the fact that they're not in relationship with Christ. Their pesha has separated them from God. But I love how it says, I'll make a way in the wilderness. And it doesn't define what a wilderness is. You know, maybe your wilderness today is spiritual dryness. Friend, I wanna tell you, he's making a way. Maybe your wilderness today is a fractured marriage. He's making a way in the wilderness. Maybe your wilderness is a strained relationship with a son or a daughter or a parent, a spouse. He's making a way where there is No way. Maybe your wilderness is disappointment of events that have happened in the past. Maybe your wilderness has been caused by a lack of intentionality around your walk with God. Maybe your wilderness has been caused by the many blows that last year presented to us. Maybe your wilderness is here because at some point or another, you stopped following God. But I like how this Scripture says, I will make a way in the wilderness. Friend, I wanna tell you, Whatever your wilderness is, He will make a way where there is no way. Point number two today, if you're taking notes, write this down. He sends the rivers of revival. He sends the rivers of revival. It says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The the prophet here is borrowing something that the reader would know. He's pointing to the wandering in the wilderness of the Israelites. They left Egypt, they're wandering in the wilderness. And he's pointing to the rock that then brought forth water for them to survive. He says, I'm bringing rivers, I'm bringing a stream in the wilderness. I'm making a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Friends, I wanna tell you that God can supply your needs if you're in a desert this morning. Maybe it's not going the way that you thought. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe things are hard. Maybe you're feeling desolate in that dry place. Well, you know what? God can provide for your needs through the waters of His Holy Spirit, through the river of His outpouring. Friends, we've got to, we've got to chase after God. We've got to say, God, I don't want to do this in my own strength. I don't want to do this in my own might. I want your spirit. I want your power. I want your river to flow. And once a river is established, it changes dry places into fertile places. You can see a river flowing through a dry place, but if you look at the banks of that river, there will be life because the river brings life. And maybe there was a dry place, but if God brings a river into that desert, He can shift that desert into something that will produce a harvest. You know, um, many of you would know, for those who don't, I grew up without a dad. And, uh, you know, one of the byproducts of growing up without a dad is that the mother of the house all of a sudden has to become the mother and the father. 
And so one of the things my mum was super intentional about when she was raising me was to make sure I was exposed to a a bunch of different men so I could actually uh, see modelled to me what it looked like to be a godly man. And she would do things throughout the years to make sure I was getting around guys and I could learn what it was like to be a man, the measure of a man. And uh, when I was 13, I started to hound her. I, I wanted a pocket knife, right? Man, I want a pocket knife. I want to be able to, you know, do the MacGyver stuff with a pocket knife. And I was begging her, please give me a pocket knife. I had this image of a, a beautiful red Swiss Army knife with the screwdriver and the toothpicks and the knife on it. And the... Here I am in Dandenong. I still appreciate a good knife, right? Um, but she finally got me a knife and she gives it to me. I open it up and the blade was this big. It was tiny. Could do nothing with it. She said, here's your first knife. I said, pass me the butter. Let's go. Um, but she gives me this knife and there was a camping trip happening with a bunch of men in our church and we were heading out to a 250,000 acre cattle station for a week to survive off the land. We're living off the land. We're finding our own food. Hunter gatherer. Ooh, ooh, we the men. And we went out to this 250,000 acre cattle station and we were out there, middle of nowhere in like uh, northwest uh, New South Wales and it was just nothing for hours. And I think my mum had teed up with these guys to try and harden me up a little bit as a 13-year-old. And we were out there doing our patrol in the middle of nowhere that day. And all of a sudden, the, 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 the Hilux ute that I was in the back of, well, the guys kicked me out of the ute. They threw me out the back of the Hilux and they said, find your own way back to camp. And I'm like, oh, jeez, okay, let's do this. And so I'm walking around for hours trying to find my way back to camp. And anyone ever been in one of those situations where you're walking and you just keep walking past the same thing? going around and around in circles. I just kept walking past the same tree. I'm like, man, I don't know where I'm going. You know, maybe you've done that in life and you just keep going around in circles, whether physically or metaphorically, but you're going around in circles. You just can't seem to get to that place that you're needing to go. And I remembered, man, I remember there was this river that was near our camp and I, I walked past the river before. Maybe, maybe I'll start following that river. And so I found that river. I began to walk along the banks of that river following the stream on my way back to camp. And as I followed that river, it led me back to camp, to that place of safety, to that place that I needed to be. You know what I realised that day? When you follow the river, it takes you where you need to go. It says, I'll bring rivers in the desert. If you've ever been in a desert, usually the thing that you want to do is leave the desert. And the way that you can leave the desert is by following the river. The way that you can leave that dry place is following the stream, following the river of the Holy Spirit. You see, when God outpours His Spirit and we follow that river, it takes us where we need to go. Church, I don't want to just be stuck in a desert. I don't want to just be stuck in a dry place. I want an outpouring of His Spirit that will lead me, that will guide me, that will take me where I need to go. I want the river. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Church, we need the river. Church, we need an outpouring of His Spirit. If we want to see explosive growth, if we want to see new souls saved, if we want to see expansion, we need the river. We need the presence of God. We can't do this in our own might. We need His presence. Is there anybody who agrees with me today? Third thought in closing today as the band comes up, taking notes, write this down. My third point. His new thing is coming. His new thing is coming. He's doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it, it says. Do you not perceive it? I'm doing a new thing. You know, sometimes 
it's hard to perceive what God is doing when you're in the thick of a situation. You could just be so focused on what's right in front of you that it's hard to perceive what God is doing around you. But it doesn't mean that He's not doing something. You know, when I was 16, my mum passed away. Many of you would know this story. You know, in that moment, I find myself without parents. I didn't perceive what God was going to do through that moment. I didn't perceive that nearly 14 years later, I would have seen, I think I was counting the other day, about six and a half thousand young people responding to the gospel from sharing that moment that I had experienced. I didn't perceive what God was doing in that moment, but He was bringing a new thing out of it. Friend, I wanna tell you that we could be in the, in the thick of a hard situation, but it doesn't mean that God is not doing a new thing. Do you not perceive what God is doing? Man, I don't think I would ever have been able to perceive what good things God would bring from a bad situation, but He chose to do a new thing. And church, I would submit to you today, whatever is going on in your world, whatever is going on in your family, I want to encourage you and I want to prophesy God is doing a new thing. It's going to spring up. He's going to make a way where there was no way. He's going to bring rivers into that dry place. Do you not perceive what God is doing? Mitch, 2013, when you're on that youth camp, did you perceive what God would do in that moment and where you would be today? Getting married in the next few months. You met your, your fiancé in this church. Did you not perceive what God would do? When I was 18, I left this country town called Tatura, three and a half thousand people to pursue the call of God. Little did I perceive that I would end up here at Faith, become the youth pastor, meet my wife, find a family of believers, spiritual family. Little did I perceive the good things that God would do. Brother Ramon, when you stepped out of aviation to start working at the church, did you perceive that years later you'd become the youth ministry, the youth pastor of this church? I know Bronte might not have, <laughs> but God's doing a new thing and He's just beginning. There is more, there is more, there is more. He's going to begin to increase your platform. He's going to begin to increase your opportunity. He's doing a new thing. Friends, I want to tell you, we don't always perceive it when we're in the middle of it, but God is doing a new thing. When the early church was in the upper room asking for an outpouring, do you think they perceived what God was about to do in and through them? Do you think they could fathom the bigness of what God was about to do? When Peter stood up declaring the good news, do you think he could perceive that thousands were about to get saved? When Ananias began to pray for Saul that he would receive sight and he would be baptised, do you think that Ananias could perceive the outpouring that God was about to unleash in the ancient world through the Apostle Paul. I don't think he quite perceived what God was about to do, but God was doing a new thing. And friends, I wanna tell you, I don't know what the next 10, 20, 30 years look like for this church. I don't know what the next 10, 20, 30 years look like for us as individuals. But what I do know is God is doing a new thing. And I wanna ask, would you stand to your feet right now? God wants to do a new thing in you. He wants to do a new thing on you, through you, around you. God wants to pour out His Spirit through us to see revival. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.